0: Today on Anatomy of a Movie, we talk about a tale as old as time with the Beauty and the Beast live action. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Anatomy of a Movie. We are doing the Beauty and the Beast live action. I'm so excited. The 2017 film is finally here! I'm your host, Marissa <laughs> Serafini. You can follow me on
2: Twitter at SerafiniTV. Joining me, I have... Uh hi, Stephanie Wanger. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram hey, at Stephanie Wanger.
1: Hey movie fans, it's Dimitri, and you can support me on Twitter at DMovies1701. Oh,
2: I'm so
0: excited about this film. You have no idea. <laughs> hey, Marissa is one of my favorite films.
2: Marissa's been ever. texting me about how excited she is. So, so excited.
0: <laughs> I will like the rundowns. There's so much to talk about. If you guys want to follow along, the link is below. And I also have the Ultimate Guide to Beauty and the Beast. Yes, right here with me, too, that has like a lot of great information about the original 1991 film and Which uh, we did a one, breakdown over yeah. here. we also did a breakdown. You should go check out that in Anatomy as well. And then we'll, we'll talk about this one. Let's talk quick thoughts. Stephanie.
2: I really enjoyed this movie overall. I thought it hit a lot of the notes of the original and the songs still make you want to sing out loud and, and just a really fun film. Um, I thought a little bit of the pacing was strange at times, but overall, a very enjoyable movie. Yeah, I liken
1: this movie to going to see a cover band of your favorite band. That cover band gets all the actions right. They're not hitting quite all the right notes. You're sort of having a good time while you're watching them. But then in the car ride home, you're listening to your real band. Um, I didn't think that this, you know, I I really did feel outside of like beautiful production design Mm -hmm. and the amazing costuming in this movie. For me, this movie lacked the vibrancy of the animated movie. And it didn't quite have the, I'll just call it the panache that that original. There's a reason why the animated Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture I don't think this Beauty and the Beast is best picture quality. It's a good, for me, it was a good movie. Um, you talked about pacing, and mm-hmm. I sort of had a similar issue. And I felt that these new scenes that were put into the movie, um, I just felt that they felt like deleted scenes put in. And to me, they added nothing. To the story, they didn't push anything through. Particularly, uh, or specifically, the scene with the enchanted book.
0: We'll get to. Yeah, yeah.
1: but I'm just saying, to it didn't... Knowing what Belle's mom's past and why she passed, I didn't care. And it made no sense to have this enchanted book. Like, what kind of punishment is that to be um, sent to be prisoner in house, but yet you had an enchanted book that could take you anywhere in the world? So, even as the Beast, he could go wherever he wanted, so to speak. So, that sort of kind of bothered me. Um, you know, I, I just felt that the acting was good, but not fantastic. Like, it was good. It was it, it, Everybody stepped up to the parts. They all looked like they had a good time together. But nobody really owned the roles. And I think that's because they were so slavishly indebted to the original. I just felt that nobody really stood out for example like if you look at Cinderella Helena Bonham Carter as the fairy godmother she's only in the movie for like 10-15 minutes but she was awesome she was great and this movie I can't point to anybody and say they were great they were awesome like I liked uh, seeing Kevin Kline back on screen again but I don't know I just didn't find that so you liked it you didn't
0: love
1: it I it it was good I, I don't think it's I mean listen it's a juggernaut I think it was good um, and then I know we're going to talk about the other thing that annoyed me was the gay thing. This whole that Which was nothing. It was yeah, nothing. It was <laughs> like if I were gay, I might have been insulted. Like I'm, I'm an, as an avid movie fan. Like it, it was such like was a much ado about nothing.
2: It was like it was a like blink it, if you miss it. Like you would, bl- like if you blink, you miss it. Seriously. Moment. And it yeah. was meant for
1: comedic purposes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It yeah. wasn't talk meant about, for yeah, like yeah, you know, know. So yeah, I go. It was good. Not great not at all. Not yeah. even close. Understandable.
0: Um, I really enjoyed this film. I might be kind of biased because, you know, I do love Beauty and the Beast. But I like this film because I think it did a lot of things right. And they added added things to it, you know, kind of spiced it up. Because Beauty and the Beast is now a story that almost everybody in the whole world knows. And we know what to expect going in. And I like the fact that they changed some things to make it... Feel new, make it feel fresh in some
1: ways. Mm, Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, see, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel those new changes were fresh and new. And I didn't have the same. I went back and I watched the animated movie again. So did I. And I leave that one after certain numbers. I feel like good. And this one just, I was like, okay, they they did an okay okay job. I think the one song that really benefited, and we can talk about it later, is Gaston. And i will talk about why I felt that that one from the live action got a really yeah. great big right. screen adaptation, and it looked lush. I mean, it looked...
2: whole film looked lush. I, yeah, I saw gorgeous. it in IMAX, and it was... I have to say, like, I wasn't... I randomly kind of ended up at, a, at an IMAX screening of it, and I, I wasn't sure... If it was going to be worth it, and there were some questions for me about whether or not, and when you went into it, I was like, "Oh, this movie is actually amazing in IMAX. Like, mm-hmm. it really brings yeah. you into that world." Did you see it in IMAX?
0: I did not. That—that's what I, I was trying to go to last night, but no. stuff happened. And I couldn't. Oh, um, I because I wanted to see if it was a different experience um, because I saw I did see this film twice. And so, and I I think I got more out of it the second time. The the first time I saw it at Walt Disney Studios, no less, seeing this film, which was pretty cool. And then I saw it second time at a regular theater, Um, and I really enjoyed it with, you know, with regular civilians as well. I think it
2: is a completely (laughs) different experience going to a media screening versus uh, going to a everyday movie theater. It it brings out a totally different experience. For a film, at least in my it times does. doing that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it can. I mean, uh, for sure. But again, you know, I saw this whenever there's an opportunity to see a movie in a premium large format type of an opportunity, I go for it because that's just something added and it usually will add to the film. And I think that Beauty and the Beast, like I said, from its production design and its costuming, uh, it was beautiful. It was very lush and beautiful to look at from the detailing and the castle. Uh, To the little village, to the but the costuming we'll
0: we'll definitely get into. Yeah,
1: I mean it was that to me and and the greenery, like the 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 Sound of Music scene Mm when she goes out into the field, is very big and lush. So, Bill Condon, I think you know everybody did a really good job. Um, You know. tech credits were amazing, Bill Condon did, you know, a fine job, and look looked fantastic. And,
2: and you mentioned possibly not getting a Best Picture nomination. I think we will see nominations for this movie, though, at oh, the Oscars definitely. next year, just yeah. in terms of, like, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. the technical Te- aspects. Technical, yeah,
0: yeah. We'll definitely get into it yeah. as well. Let's get into the development of this film. Sure. So back in March of 2013, Disney was in talks with the UK-based writer Joe Ahern to to pen the script, and you know we all know it's based on the French author Jean Marie Le Prince de Beaumont. I be- hopefully, be- I didn't beautiful butcher drive. that. Right. Thank you. Um, his his tale um, from 1740, "La Belle et la Bête." Um, I totally butchered that. I'm sorry. Um, but Beauty and the Beast. Back at his story, and uh, Disney executive David Hoberman actually developed a darker beast narrative from the prince's perspective before Disney came back to him with the live action musical remake. And that's where this film came and they brought Bill Condon on board.
2: Well when I heard that about the darker remake, it made me think of wasn't it Snow White a few years ago with yeah. Kristen Bell and Army Hammer? The
0: huntsman.
2: And the huntsman. Yeah. And and that's what it, it felt like they were would aim for with that. Like that type of a feel of a movie. And I'm glad that they returned this to a musical. I I don't think you need to go like Snow White's a little bit of a different story. I think that this is nice to keep in that bright light musical. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. And but I'll take it back a little bit further. It was actually shortly after Alice in Wonderland, the first one, right. that really worked, that inspired Disney to go back into their well, and that was part of the inspiration for you know, number one, we have women, uh, you know, women, female characters uh, being bright women, we uh, women of empowerment, and so. Putting these characters and, and coming up with the technology to, to make this live action was fine. I agree that you can't like, if you're going to make Beauty and the Beast and since they're on such a roll on uh, and, and that's their their that's what they're focusing on, is remaking their Classic animated movies—you have to make it a musical. Um, but going into you and I, Marissa, we had a talk. Uh, you know, my biggest fear is that it was going to be almost a shot-for-shot shot remake, which it is. Mm, it's yeah. very slavishly. I mean, th- very... there were
0: shots that were definitely oats to the animated, but it's not shot for shot. Okay, I people, I, I feel like people get that confused a lot. Where okay, um, here here's an example: the beginning of X Men. Uh, Wolver, Wolver, the, the X-Men Days of Future is Past. Mm-hmm. When they re-shot the scene of Magnetia. Magneto when he's a teenager in the mm-hmm, Warsaw mm-hmm. camp. That was a shot for a shot remake of that particular scene. And I feel like a lot of people went into this Beauty and Beast film thinking that it was going to be a shot for a shot. It
1: wasn't. That's what it sort it kind of was, though. But the, it wasn't. But, but, but it was. The opening shot was... The, all the dance numbers, like, were, with the exception of, like, Gaston, where they just added more people. I and again, I just recently saw the animated, and it was just... It was amazing to me how much they slavishly stayed, too, with the exception of the new scenes and adding, you know, leaving leaving daddy for dead, which was really dark. Yeah, I mean, this dark. movie was... When you darker. think about this movie, like, uh, as a whole, it, it it did go a little bit darker than the animated... There were higher stakes towards the end that um, I sort of, pre- which made it like, Whoa, that's, that's sort of really dark if things don't, mm-hmm. you know, we know yeah. that things are going <laughs> to Disney can go dark, that's
0: but the thing. Disney this
1: was a little things. bit dark when we can go into that, but I did think that there were many scenes that were just shot for shot, uh, it, it looked the same, you know, for me anyways.
0: I can understand, like, maybe beat for beat is the same, but, like, camera mm-hmm. angles and stuff aren't. Shot for shot. Yeah, I'm trying you, to... You, you, there's f- fountain shots and stuff like that. It's,
2: it's been a while since shot. I've seen the 1993 version, but... think Or 91. 1991, sorry. Um, but I, uh, I feel like... Yeah, like, it, it hit definitely, like, the same... Like, I was glad that they hit some of the same notes. I didn't feel like it was, like, scene for scene, but, like... M- I did feel like they did a good job of of maintaining that story because I feel like if you twisted off of it, people would be really upset.
1: Yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, credit to Bill Condon and the whole production crew that they didn't... You're right. Had they gone... (laughs) And had they not made it a musical, I think that really, too, would have upset that status quo. And I don't think, I don't think, regardless, if they kept the same cast, right, and say they didn't go musical-wise, they... I don't care. It would not have done the business at the box office that this did. I think people... We're in a time where people really need to sort of kind of feel good, and it made... The audiences, like, went in and really enjoyed it and walked out, like, feeling good, so it was a good idea to stay on track as a musical.
2: I know we'll get into the cast in a few minutes, but it was interesting to me. This movie seemed to have, like, a lot of casting rumors around it, and Mm -hmm. people switched in and out, and Mm -hmm. lots of things happening before we got to the cast that we see today and with each of these people like i believe lily collins was considered for Belle, you you start to think of how different this movie would be and 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 with each different casting choice i was like oh that would be a completely different film and then i think i'm not sure this was ever confirmed but robert pattinson was definitely considered for the beast like uh, every every one of these things would have made this film dramatically different
0: yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get into the casting but also if for the writing, because they they originally did want to go a darker route, kind of like a huntsman for the Snow White storyline, a darker, more grittier type of feel. And I'm I'm glad that they didn't go that dark; that they kept it to the musical because that's what people know and love. And I don't think people would be okay or as receptive for taking a, such a romantic storyline and making it so
1: dark. Agreed. No, agreed. 100. percent And yet, when you. We, when we break it down, it, it, it ends up being a bit tad darker thematically, mm-hmm. and the stakes are raised to a point that, you know, the stakes are raised to a darker level that, you know, we could talk about things like Mrs. Potts, and we can talk about like the characters, like what could happen to them at the end of a live action, um, which I was like, wow, that's you know, that's that's pretty dark. Um, only when you, like, step outside and start, like, thinking of what ha- what would have potentially happened to these characters right. is different from the live action.
2: Well, it's funny. Like, we were... I was talking with a friend recently about how if you step back from fairy tales and you look at, like... The psychological effects on, say, Belle in this movie, or like,
0: Stockholm. yeah,
2: Stockholm syndrome, all of that. Like, it's a really different movie than just looking at it from this, like, with your like fairy tale glasses on.
0: You know what's interesting? I'm glad you brought that up because Emma Watson. This isn't the first time people mentioned this whole Stockholm syndrome and stuff, but Emma actually talked about. Um, that particular case. And she's like, it's not really Stockholm because she, the character of Belle doesn't change. She's consistent throughout the entire film. It's the beast that changes throughout the film. And that's who we see the layers get peeled back and that's who falls in love and becomes more human. And it's like, Belle stays the same. She doesn't fall in love with the, capt- the captor. The captain uh, changes.
1: Yeah, but she... She does fall in love with it, like, her, yeah, but the captain as you know, know what I mean? she, she like, notices that her
0: character doesn't right. change or like love the her prisoner because he was like a madman, you know. It, it was the beast who changed character to but fall in love
1: she with She does come to an awareness and beauty is like it, it's it's not just Well, skin deep. Let's just call it, you know. And so she becomes. She she sees deeper than the outside of the beast, and that for herself is her is her arc in saying, you know, there. It's in the song. I mean, the song says it all. There's something there that I didn't see before. Yeah. And so that's what that song is all about. Like he does have a kinder side. There is a side, you know. It's like what what could have befallen this man? He really is. He's a nice man, and things do change. And even when she goes back to town, she says, No, he's not mean. He's not a killer. Like, you have to, you know. So she becomes a champion. You're not of the, the
0: monster guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
2: I, I think that. Uh, you do he's not see. I <laughs> no, love <laughs> um, you do see him have this kinder heart throughout, and he eventually lets her go and be with her dad. Like there are moments, and then you you do see, I guess, the reason she falls for him. But yeah. but it is interesting, just from like a psychological perspective.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, well, let's get into the writing. Uh, we had Stephen Chbosky and Evan. Oh, I'm gonna butcher his last name. Spilly
1: it's it's a nice Irish name, Evan. Great, <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: really. Yeah, no, yeah. that's so great. But um, we had Stephen Chbosky, who's most known for uh, *Perks of Being a Wallflower*, and he also wrote other stuff as well. Um, but yeah, he he was hired to rewrite the script that Evan originally wrote for this film.
2: Yeah, and uh, if you remember, Emma Watson was, of course, in Perks Perks of Being a a Wallflower, so they have a relationship, and uh, she said that she brought him onto the film to work on the script. So, I mean, she's been involved with this project then for a long time.
0: For a long time. And, yeah, they said that that they also brought uh, Shbosky in because they felt his involvement may suggest, you know, a way to improve the love story of Beauty and the Beast to make sure it appeals to the younger adult audiences, which I definitely can understand that i I feel like a lot of kids and um, teenagers would like the story as well like they did in the 1991
1: version. well that's what i'm going for i didn't they didn't add anything that made that love more again they didn't do anything outside of add those scenes outside of the 1991 version the 1991 version placed everybody as well it's not it it's and again, it's a very... It's a love story. It's, it's as you say, it's a beautiful love story. It's, it's, it's beautifully told. Um, they didn't rewrite anything that made their love that much stronger than in the animated version. I mean, they, we know what's going to happen. And they, they hit all the right... They hit the right buttons to, to make that happen. Again, I think the scenes just writing... Outside of the, the framework, or outside of the story, they added in these other scenes that actually did, had, had nothing to do with the love story. Let's
0: talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like you're going to talk about the Enchanted Book. Let's talk about the Enchanted Book. Sure. Um, because that's not in the original no. story. And that's it's not, not in, in the, Broadway, the original. right? No, it's not in Broadway production, which I've seen two different productions of, so I know that quite yeah, You worked well. on them. I did I work, work on well. Beauty and the Beast production. Um, two of them. <laughs> uh, so uh, like Beauty and the Beast is really close and near and dear to my heart. But it's not in the Broadway version. It's not in the original animated version. Version it's not in the story, um, the even back from 1740, and I feel like they added this so that there was we had backstory on Belle and B, so they both had a commonality and similarity that they could bond over and build that love between those two and build that relationship.
2: Yeah, I mean I understand why they did it, and I agree with you. It's about creating a backstory and giving the movie, uh, I guess, some more emotional depth and. And in that way, I guess I appreciated it. I just didn't feel like it was super necessary. And, yeah, maybe, that, and maybe that was just because I love the original story, and I was just like, okay. And I think also this movie, uh, for me, ran a little long. So just trimming that, like those little extra things that didn't add too much would have been helpful.
1: Yeah, I just felt it was padding. I didn't care. It, it wasn't necessary for me to, to know why Belle was motherless. The fact that she had a loving father, we understand. The, the, the mother for whatever reason is not in the picture anymore uh, and again to me the whole thing about the enchanted book is what kind of punishment is it if you're supposed to be holed up in this castle but yet you can go anywhere in the world so long as you see it i mean as the beast he could him he could hide under cloak he could hide under he could go wherever he wants Basically, he can go wherever he wants with this book. That's not a punishment.
0: Well, understandable, but, like, yeah, you may be able to travel the world, but did you notice the way they traveled? It was a dark, sad place. Um, She
1: picked that place.
0: Well, I I felt like maybe that was just his perspective. Yeah, he could travel all over the world, but it might be in, like, a rundown type of look compared to, like, an over-lavish, you know, lush type of brilliant vibrant kind of world. Maybe it could be a sad Jerry world that the, the way that they saw everything.
2: Are you saying that he could only see the world in that way rather than seeing yeah. it from the princely perspective? Interesting. Okay, I didn't, yeah. I that didn't get that. It is interesting. I didn't get that because she
1: picked it. it. No, but yeah. it... It, the book doesn't. They don't set up that rule. She picked that place, which is sad and gray and dark, and that's where the plague was. I don't
0: think she was expecting it to be sad and dark. Either. Well, because
1: she didn't know yeah. what killed her. Well, she didn't know why her mother wasn't part of the picture anymore. She was too young. But she picked that place. He could have gone to. He could have gone to Can. He could have gone to. A, he could have gone to like Santorini. He could go to Kansas. Like he could go wherever he wants. That's not gray. For the purpose of backstory, we needed to like, you know, and again, I don't know how kids are gonna relate to the bubonic plague so much. Like, it just no, seemed like filler. To it's me. not
0: like relating to bubonic plague; is relating to the loss of a parent.
2: Uh, yeah, I just For I, both.
1: Of them. I understand that, but again, it was. Did I need to know that of Belle?
0: No, I agree. Because if you take this, the enchanted book. Out and even the new song, which we'll definitely get into the songs and animation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stuff. But if you take that music number out and this enchanted book out, it doesn't change anything. But I think it does add more to the characters and gave them more layers.
1: Yeah, yeah not so much for me, but I will say one scene that did do something that I'm not again not sure it was necessary: the leaving of Daddy to die,
0: leaving Papa Maurice yes. out in the woods.
1: Yeah, I mean... tied that, up. The, it up? Now that scene, I was like... That was dark. That was... Not only was it dark, but did I need Gaston to be... Gaston's the villain. Let's just... In, in Beauty and the Beast, he's the villain. He puts Maurice into an... He's going to put him into an insane asylum regardless. Yeah. He's the villain of the story. This movie seemed to want it to, like, make it more... Impa- let's let's make sure that everybody understands that Gaston's the villain. That was really dark for me.
2: Well, just like and tied up scary. in the vo- like that <laughs> yes. image, like oh, it's and awful. I, yeah, and I uh, I went to a late screening of this, so there were not a ton of kids in my screening. But uh, like, I feel like that would be a scary moment for kids, like to like have a parent tied up. Like, I don't know, I just it, it read really kind of weirdly to me. In all honesty, like I I was not expecting that from being and the Beast. Yeah, no.
0: Also, just Gaston, his whole justification of this—like, I'll just leave you to the wolves if yeah. you don't let me marry your mm-hmm. daughter—and
3: yeah.
0: like, just made his character even more dislikable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, but I agree, it was definitely super dark when I watched it. I was like, wow, Bis- Disney just went there. And how's yeah. he going to get
1: out of this? Like, yeah. it, it, like it was. Well, I was, I was very surprised that that is what they chose to do for a new scene because I'm like, isn't Gaston bad enough? Like, do we have to make him so villainous? I mean, you already kind of don't like the guy because of his pompousness and because of what he ends up doing and fighting the beast. But I think even that scene is darker than him shooting the beast in the back. Like, yeah, that was yeah. a, that's a really dark scene.
3: Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. him it's doing
1: that. Like, to Maurice, who's the such the a action lovable character. The
0: reasoning behind it is really dark. Yeah.
1: And Kevin Klein as Maurice did a, you know, he was... I thought he was he fantastic. Was, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's let's get into you know we're talking about the writing and the story topics and things that they changed, the things that they added, the things that were pretty much the same. But what I liked, which is definitely felt like a twenty first century update updated version of Beauty and the Beast, Belle's feminism.
2: Yes, it, like, and I think it's something that Emma Watson really brought to the character as well like in addition to obviously the writing but um just in she talked about some of the wardrobe choices and all of that and and the i just like that she's like a strong independent again i think we saw it in brave they're really making these characters more like independent strong females and i think that's phenomenal for
1: well, as the only guy on this panel i have to ask what makes her more feministic than bell in the animated movie
0: well, I, I think there was a lot of things. The, the way they, I mean, Belle, there were some points in the animated version, she's very headstrong, but I felt Belle was very more independent and more, she fought back a lot more. Or, you know, like she stood up for herself and when something was bothering her, she would say something. And also the fact how that so, like, they, they, added, so? they added moments where she, they made her an inventor. And they made her, like, progressive and intelligent compared to everyone else in that town who so seems so anti-intellectual. or They're against um, progressiveness. And we saw Belle. She invented, like, the pre-the first version of a washing machine.
1: Okay. Was I, I understand that. But from the animated movie, where again, Belle was extremely progressive, they looked down at her for reading, for reading books of all things. And like she was, she had imagination, and the whole town. That was the crux of, of Belle. I just want, just because she invented, I want to know what made her more of a feminist in the live action than in the animated, because that was a time where Disney was really focusing on making women like right. smarter, more I, independent. I, I understand
2: what you mean. I think what I took from it was if you represented this movie and you had her be like oh I, I like i'm not allowed to read that's not a very relatable story to current day kids like mm-hmm. uh, everybody like everyone's in school like in america at least like our our children are educated or, um so i think that by what they, what they were able to do with this is make it a modern-day feminism. So she is, like, a career girl. She, you, you know, wants to support her family. Like, I think they really updated the way feminism is in 2017.
1: Okay. So she invents a washing machine so the woman can do the laundry. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm just, like, again, I'm just trying to figure out... I Because I look at the animated movie and say... She is a woman of empowerment. She doesn't sit back. She does one of the most noblest things, the character, that, 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 that a woman can do. She gives up her, she goes, I'm going to trade places with my dad. She goes, take me instead of him. She, you know, she does all of basically the same things just because she's wearing boots instead of flats. I'm trying to think, like, what does that make for today's? Feminism. I, she wasn't wearing a corset in the in the in the animated movie that I could tell. She was very beautiful in the yellow dress, and she and she stood up to the beast. She stood up to him, and she told Daddy, "It's like, hey, Dad, like, do you think I'm weird?" Like, it was the same dialogue. I'm just trying to figure out what the update, like, why because watch the animated movie and she's equally as powerful oh, I think
2: I know i I think like you're still seeing those strong things I, I just think that the decisions they made are more relatable to mm-hmm. today's world that's okay. that's all I'm yeah
0: yeah okay. yeah no I agree with that and I felt there were moments where she wasn't the damsel in distress that she helped save her father she helped save the beast and in certain yeah we see that in the animated version but i felt like it portrayed better in the live version it translated better in the live version than we we get hints of it in the animated version but i think as a woman seeing another woman go through all these steps x y and z i i understood better and got a better result out of it
1: interesting that's that's a fascinating because i I just see them as it wasn't hidden to me in the animated, and it wasn't subtle at all. I Indeed. think that was Disney's... Even when you watch The Making of that was Disney's purpose in that, to I make saw, that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. For the, I felt for the, the live version, I saw more pushback on Belle. That was way more apparent than it was in the animated film. And I think Fair that's enough. what made her feel like a stronger, more headstrong person. She didn't need anyone, and she was that. She, she felt more independent in this film compared okay. to everything
1: else. Interesting. And you felt
2: the same way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, it, it for me, it was not that she's not a feminist in the original, but that she, uh, like, really embraces some of those ideals that we talk about in, I guess, in culture today as being feminist and that you don't have to adhere to one. damsel in distress. Re- yeah. Like, there's not one way to be feminine. You can do all of these things. And I thought she was a really great representation of that.
1: Okay, and I say she was equally as a representative of all those themes in
0: 1991. Understandable. That's, that's fair. And we also know that, you know, Emma Watson herself is a UN ambassador. Mm-hmm. And yeah. will, so
2: and, and I will say that that probably... Um, translated. Yeah, skews your view of it a bit, because at least if you know anything about Emma Watson, she's such a phenomenal feminist that mm-hmm. it, watching her on screen, I think those ideals do kind of seep in, even unintentionally.
0: Yeah, let's get into casting, shall we? Emma Watson as Belle. So, back in January 2015, this was already, wow, two years ago, Emma Watson announced, you know, via like social media and everything, that she'd be starring as Belle, the female lead. And uh, she said, uh, The six year old self is on the ceiling with her heart bursting. And I remember that day she came out with the news because, yes, I follow her on like everything. And (laughs) I was so excited. So incredibly excited because. I felt like she she definitely embodies the the look of Belle, but also the the character and spirit of Belle. And I was trying to think if there was any other twenty-something-year-old leading ladies in Hollywood and just in film industry that could play Belle as well as she did.
2: Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question. One that I haven't really thought too much about. I, I really... I was surprised how much I liked her in in this part, actually. I... um, It's not that I didn't think she would do a great job. She's great in everything, but I just felt like she was, like, Harry Potter, and then she'd done some indie work, and I I was excited to see her kind of embrace this, it's gonna be a big, like, I don't big know... undertaking. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, a, yeah, and I thought, you know, singing and all of that, I, like, just did a really solid job.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I... For me, her hiring or her, her casting was very strategic and it, and, it, and it was right on point. I agree because I did ask that question who could who could Disney have gotten? I think that Disney could have found actresses who could sing better mm-hmm. um, okay. maybe have the bigger doughy eyes uh than you know than Emma Watson, but Emma Watson carries with her everything that you you, you said, but she also has this high. You know, quotient of people do recognize her still from Harry Potter. Um, they loved her as 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 Hermione Granger, and she already has like a, in a sense a built in audience now. She's never had a movie that 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 opened up like this big, you know. Even even the the, the Potter films they, they open up great and on less screens, but this is a movie that by putting her in there, you've got. It's like everybody was excited about it by, okay. by casting her, whereas, and you don't want to falter because you don't want to mess up Beauty and the Beast because it is so beholden. So you had they they had to do they had to do right by putting by making the right bell. And if you sort of put an unknown uh, in there, sure they could have marketed the hell out of it, and she could have been great and maybe a standout whoever that person is. But by hiring Emma Watson, that was purely that was a great strategic move on Disney in knowing that we, this, is, this is a, good bet. This right, is a yeah. good bet. No,
0: I agree with you, because I was talking to someone else before this, and if you follow Emma Watson and stuff, she has about 24 to 30 million followers. Yeah. So it, it is a very smart move in marketing and promotion on Disney. And I think it's great to get a lead actress who can actually act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to train her Absolutely. to sing and stuff, but like she has the following and she has the look. Why not?
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I um I feel like with her, you're also we are talking about appeal of this movie, and with Harry Potter, she has all of the appeal to audiences. I feel, like, young and old at this Mm -hmm. point. And, like, because kids have probably watched Harry Potter at home, even if they were too young to see it in theaters. You really are getting someone with a lot of name recognition. But what's interesting is I was talking to um, a friend of mine, and this is, like, her big, I think her first big thing out of Harry Potter. Like, really, you're like, this is Emma Stone, or not Emma Stone, (laughs) Emma Watson, don't know where that came from, sorry. Emma Watson, um, it's, like, really big role for her and it, it kind of puts a check mark next to her as like movie star and that's a phenomenal thing for her.
0: Oh yeah, it definitely broadens her range and yeah. her her likability and, and just the way that they can cast her now because I felt like yes, 10 years of Harry Potter you're only going to know her for that and you can see little things here and there but like that, granted that is her role and everyone's going to pigeonhole her as that maybe that type of character and but I think this makes her way more appealing for other types of films.
1: Yeah, well, look, she has played it very smart throughout her career. Um, m- much like Daniel Radcliffe, whereas she got... Well, number one, she went to school. And that was a really big deal for her. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she, she put acting... She took a break, and she did the right thing. She went to school, and well, why not? Like, when you have the Harry Potter money, that's, you know... There you go. You don't have to do anything else in your life she if you choose not to. Made reportedly
0: sixty million altogether for Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, and she's still making money off of oh, those yeah? movies. So, but then she, when she decides to come back, she starts doing like uh, what's it called, the bling Ringer. um yeah, the bling. she did. She did a lot of. She did yeah. She did a lot of she also didn't know indies. More. She did Perks of a Wallflower. Right. You know so. She was very, again, I think her agent, family, whoever is helping her with decisions, like, she did a really good job. And she broke out of Hermione and said, well, I can I can act. Um, she was getting some critical praise on, on the smaller films that she was doing, which is great because it sets her apart. So when this comes along, you have to look at it. It's like, do I want to be part of another... I mean, I'm not sure this is going to be a franchise. I think this is hopefully a one and done. But it's something that's so big, you know, you have to go in there. Okay, well, the risk is what if I stink? And But that's the challenge for her to be creative and to act because she's filling really big shoes, even though they're animated shoes. And I think by her saying yes and by Disney hiring her and putting her in and casting her, you know, it was a very well thought out strategic calculated play in which she could the movie would have had to have really sucked for you know right. but yeah. she but this movie was really good so it's only going to shine upon her and you know and if she decides to do big movies she's going to be in a movie with um, Tom Hanks uh, yeah. The Circle sur- it's called The Circle the sur- yeah. yeah
0: yeah, I think I mean I think we've seen Emma Watson literally grow in
1: her career <laughs> absolutely
0: her, um, like Emma Watson and I are the same age, so I feel like some connection to her. Because, like, I know, I, like, I've seen her progress for years. Like, literally, I grew up with her. And I, I think it's great that she's breaking out into big roles like this. And she can break out into smaller. so I say, go, girl, get it. And Absolutely. she And, yeah, she has some trepidations about this role. I mean, who wouldn't? And she, she said multiple times. Um, interview. She's like, oh, my God, I can't even tell you how nerve-wracking it was. There were a few moments when I had a real crisis of confidence. But once I got into it, I just loved it. I wanted to, I wanted to do a musical every day for the rest of my life. And I was like, girl, you can <laughs> if you want. Um, she did a lot of training for this. She did about three months of preparation for singing, dancing and horse riding because she was never she's never been on a horse before this film that's crazy and i'm just about. trying to think about it i was like yeah they didn't ride horses in harry potter they rode broomsticks
2: yeah i mean you know a different experience on it a green is. screen <laughs> you No, <know>, it's good <laughs> and they got
0: there faster so, yeah. on broomsticks but I, I think she did a great job because there was a moment when i was watching the film and she's like riding on a horse i was like oh well she's going really fast and then i was learning the research after the fact knowing that she's never been on a horse so like you would never t- tell he can never tell and I think she did a great job. Um, her singing I think was strong enough for for this role.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the singing because she was also going to be in La La Land and left that project to <laughs> come into Beauty and the Beast. I'm, I'm not sure maybe she was already in Beauty and the Beast, but dropped out of La La Land in order to do this. She
0: was already attached to Beauty and the Beast while in talks to do La La Land. And at that point she's like, I still have to train and do preparation for Beauty and the Beast. She, and she knew she had to be committed to Beauty and the Beast and that commitment took her to London. She's like, I have to be in London for this. Therefore, her physical schedule and just her schedule in general didn't line up with La La Land. Hence the reason why she backed out
2: But it's interesting when I think about her. I think that this is for her, even though Emma Stone went on to, of course, win an Oscar for La La Land, I think that this is actually a better fit for her. Yeah. Um, Like I I really enjoyed her in this role. It's hard to say, obviously. like You don't know what she would have done with La La Land, but I really thought that this was a phenomenal, again, strategic career choice for her and worked out so well for her and Disney as you can see from the box office. And it also
0: worked out for Emma Stone because you gotta remember, Emma Stone, she's done other films with Ryan Gosling and I think that's why Emma Stone worked better for La La because she already had the the set chemistry between the other actor and she had the singing
2: and by the way Emma Stone that was one of my favorite performances of the year in La La Land so like just to say that like it's not that I disliked Mm -hmm. La La Land in any way
1: yeah I just again it was a good decision uh, being that Whatever, you know, whatever I know about actors, I'm sure there's something going, damn, maybe I could have won the Oscar had I taken that right. role. Right. But, you know, you've got to weigh it out. You know, that there's some someone's money, you know, Oscar. I and mean, but, Look, both Emma Stone and Emma Watson are going to continue to work. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, there are so many people that you can point to who have won the Academy Award that end up doing duds for the rest of their career. So, you know, you, you just never know. These two actresses are really fine actresses. Her sticking with Beauty and the Beast was a... Was a whether she stayed with La La Land, um, but if she was already contracted to do Beauty, it would have been a good choice, I think, either way. Beauty and the Beast, obviously, from a, from a financial standpoint, was a great move. I think she was okay. I didn't think her singing again... I didn't think her singing was was fantastic. It didn't blow me away, but it it's was not good. not Grammy
0: Award winning, No. <laughs>
1: But. <laughs> no, but it was good. It, it okay, was, it was good.
0: like yeah,
1: yeah. She 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 was as good as Emma Stone was to me in La La Land. She wasn't she wasn't like any better or worse. She did what she needed to do with 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 a flair and style. She was good.
0: Yeah, I thought Emma uh, she did a great job with her her singing, and even she was surprised. Um, she said in an interview, she was so shocked to hear how much her singing voice has progressed over, you know, the training, and she, that she actually burst into tears. She says, "I was in tears. I couldn't believe it that after I managed to get through three months of singing lessons to see where her, I had got to, I couldn't believe it. I was really proud and good for her."
1: Can I? I want to. I, I want to ask something. Because get a result. Watching the movie, I sort of noticed that towards the back half of the movie, her singing was better than in the first half of oh. the movie. So, and I don't know, like, again, because you're continually training, and they, I don't know, obviously, they probably did not shoot this movie in, in sequence, time, yeah. in any type of continuity that way. So, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, the song, she seemed to hit the the notes better in the songs that took place Later, in the last yeah. half of the movie that, that, than opening.
2: That's really interesting. I'll have interesting. to look at that.
0: Yeah, didn't notice that. I thought she did great. Um, uh, and I really liked her as... As this Bell, it, it was she played the likable Bell that we all know and
2: Yeah, I she. I mean, obviously, it's coming out of a cartoon, so you're never going to, <laughs> you know, you can't bring a cartoon or not a cartoon animated film uh, to life. And, and but she felt like Bell to me, which is so important when you're saying.
1: Yeah, she was good. She she's she's not going to go down as Bell for yeah. me throughout her career. She did good I, again. Just, I, I had to watch the animated again, and and again. I know it's a voice, but still, the acting, what Paige did in the animated, in her singing voice too, is far more beautiful and more theatric But she was an opera singer. You, this yeah, is I one was like, place. Paige O'Hara is a pa- trained
0: Broadway right. singer, and again. that's one and that's thing, where it's unfair to make that comparison. But
1: that's where you couldn't go in this movie. You couldn't necessarily hire a Broadway actress who could have been great. But nobody knows. But like, there's no <laughs> right. name. So with it. Yeah. exactly. So like, uh, you totally get how Emma Watson, you know, is in this movie, and I respect her training, and I respect what she did. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah, Pedro Harris sent her blessing yeah. as as um, for, for Emma as Bell, and so did sure. Susan Egan, who originated Bell on Broadway. They both endorsed yeah. Emma. So well, she's part if of the original studio. Bells endorsed Emma Watson, then so do I. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think her dancing was great. Uh, um, you, you couldn't really tell if she had any issues because, granted, with the technical aspects with Dan Stevens, which we'll get into in a minute, Um, for all the dancing and playing against someone in metal stilts seven feet tall, you know, that must be hard to be opposite of and play opposite of. Mm-hmm. So I think she did a great job. I agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it... However, you know, the, the movie magic taking place and, and do. But even outside of that, the opening number, you know, there's a lot of choreography going on, you know, going on there with Bonjour and how it ends up in the sound of music fields, so to speak. You know, there, there, there's still choreography that, that needed to be done without the Beast. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, she, yeah, again, she was, she was fine. It was. She, she did a really. She stepped up to the plate, so to speak. You know, she, she's a good actress, and we know that. And she's going to continue to have, I think, an amazing career. And she's always one that you're going to want to watch.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get into Dan Stevens, unless you have anything else about. Nope. Um, uh, yeah, let's get into Dan Stevens, who plays the Beast. He m- most notable for Downton Abbey. Downton, sorry, Downton Abbey, um, which I didn't really watch, but so I don't really know of Dan Stevens' working career. But I thought he was great as well.
2: Yeah, uh, I wasn't super familiar with him, uh, but I thought um, I actually had to do research into how they did the beast because I wasn't sure. Like we see him at the end, and like I wasn't sure how that was all played out and how the uh, all the CGI and all of that that went into the beast was done. But I think that it's always like really admirable when an actor can go there and like this is not an easy part when you're. Having to do so much on the technical side, and then still have these like heartfelt moments, and I thought he was great. Like, did a really nice job.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was. He was again. Yeah, he was really fine in his role. And and when you're under such makeup, CGI, doing whatever, you have to act. Your eyes have to say something, um, because you don't have all of your face to do it. Um, and you can let CGI do. Some of the work for you, but you still have to be there. You still have to act. And for me, his changeover to falling in love with Belle, um, the scene uh, that that comes out most to me is the scene in the library where you know she goes, "If you read all these books, he goes, well, some of them are in Greek." <laughs> like there, there was something about the way he said it, the way his mom, he was like, Not "Yeah, well, side, some of them," are, you know, yeah, <laughs> that you go. Yeah, he's really... Yeah, he does a really good job. I wish that the CGI made his eyes a little bluer.
3: Uh, um, like a little anime. more... I look, yeah,
1: I just like... That, to me, like, if they... They should have been a little bit more piercing blue. But that's a CGI thing that uh, has nothing to do with him as the actor. They could have, like, done that in post. But yeah. he did it... Yeah, he did a very... Uh, considering what you have to act underneath... You know, that's the hardest job. To me, that's even as challenging as what Emma Watson may have had to go to because you have to emote from a pile of makeup and CG and make it work and have an audience care. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I thought the interesting thing is uh, about Dan Stevens, he had to do all of his performances, at least toys. So say he had to go in and film all the movements, whether it be singing, dancing, waltzing, you know, with the actual actor. And he had um, his forty-pound lycra suit on, so it had the actual physicality of the beast, and and he was on stilts doing all this, mind you. And then two weeks later, he had to go back in with UV makeup on that captured about ten thousand different points on his face, and all like all lines up of cameras, so it gets every angle of his face doing the exact same motions again. So he had to do two different performances for every scene he was in.
2: Yeah, I believe I read that it was like a cage that he was in, and then Emma Watson was outside the cage acting against him, even in this second round uh, of these performances. And again, that level of dedication to to do that, and also I think with this character specifically, this is not just a, a beast. You have to, even when you're in all of that, peel it back and show that you have a heart and and that's difficult as, as you mentioned
0: and to do all like go through every performances and all the emotional beats and as an actor to get to that acting place once again twice um especially weeks apart that that also just takes a lot of acting skill from the person mm-hmm. so um i commend him on his work and i i thought Great. and um for his voice also which i thought was interesting the sound team actually piped in the sound of steven's own lowered voice so they took a recording of his voice lowered it and put it in an earpiece to help him get back into his acting with a deeper timbre in right. his voice it's fascinating yeah. fascinating <laughs> i love it i love it um yeah, I thought he did a great job. And who who would have known that you, you think it'd be like um there there were some things he did do in motion capture. But sure. the just the the update of the, the makeup, the UV makeup that helps capture his face is something that I haven't really read about that mm-hmm. process before.
1: Yeah, yeah. listen, it looks again, any person has to wear be under such type of costuming makeup, you know, it's 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 hard uh, you know you either buy it or you don't and in this in this movie the special effects and the, the, the makeup and the costume and whatever they did you buy it mm-hmm. you know it, they spared no expense in, the, in in making sure this movie looked amazing you know I mean it is the most expensive live action musical to have ever been made yes. and all of the money is up on screen there's nothing that looks cheap about this movie. So, uh, and that's what, I, it was that that brought me in, more so than, than a lot of other things, was that. I was, I was truly amazed. His costume. The Beast costume. Yeah. Okay, I know where it you know, but the detailing on his costume alone, you saw it in IMAX, I mean, yeah. it stands out. I mean, you got the blue, but the stitching and everything, yeah. it was just... Amazing, even Belle's costume. Her, her. Yellow yeah, you
0: know. Dress. Let's let's talk about the wardrobe. because yeah. we're kind of skipping ahead, but we'll go back to the the cast. Uh, we actually have concept pictures. So if you guys are listening in on iTunes, definitely go, go check us out on the YouTube and check out our video aspect. We have photos of the concept art for the the wardrobe, which I again fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had uh, the costume designer Jacqueline Duran, who's you know. Oscar winning. She She's worked on other films as well, like the Atonement and period piece movies. But uh, she yeah, she did a lot of different things. So, um, well let's talk about the Beast because you mentioned his costume. Um, for his blue, he, he well, actually he starts his character in the film starts off with this really crazy cape. You know, that whole right. white ballroom and they're all yeah. there before the beggar woman comes. Um, that was like more 18th century aristocrat wear. And then his actual, um, you know, ballroom jacket, uh, it's full of Swarovski crystals all throughout that twinkle and sparkle.
1: Yeah, it was, again, this is where the live action, you watch the animated and he's wearing a blue coat, but there's no really fine detail on that, mm-hmm. which is fun, you know, 1991, you, you know, to do all that would have been painstakingly uh, crazy hard to do considering the technology then, but... To watch him come out, and I was watching it going, that is, that's where this movie gets nominated. Yeah. This, this movie gets yeah. nominated, much like Cinderella. We talked about costuming and that. Wardrobe. <laughs> that's where this movie, like, really sets apart because the stitching, the 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 the, the, the sparkliness of it, but it wasn't ostentatious. Like, it, no. It was yeah. great.
2: I mean, it it feels like. What, what it's meant to feel like. That's the only way I can think to say it. Like, it feels like you're in their world rather than, like, you don't want the, like, sparkly, like, Broadway version of no. this, like, on screen. That would be right. quite weird. Like, they did a great job of making it real right. uh, within the universe they're in. Yeah. And
0: let's talk about uh, Belle's outfits throughout the film. I felt it was very uh, true to the animated style as well. But um, we'll definitely get into all of it. The Belle's blue outfit when she's in the, the town square um, it's just a blue skirt and bodice. But they added pattern and textures that made her have two skirts, two skirts, which was more historical back back in that time. And they added elements taken from the history. Um,
2: and and then of and course pockets but, on the outside. Of course, the boots, which Emma Watson had mentioned numerous times. They switched from I think the ballet flat to the boot which it didn't bother me i didn't actually notice it to be honest until i read the like did the research on this. yeah um yeah i, I noticed
0: I, it. I i didn't oh. like i i noticed it but it didn't bother me because no. even the justification behind it emma was like this girl is right is like tromping around town she's riding horses she's running through the woods she has to wear better footwear to do all this and boots made more sense it's like yeah that's true so why are people knacking on their boots when you can literally do everything? No, yeah, there's nothing.
1: I mean, it didn't bother me, but for, for, from the case of, you know, I, it, it doesn't change the story. And I was like, okay, yeah, it fits. Like her costuming, again, the costume was fantastic. And, um, yeah, she looked great. It was, and again, it's what you want. You want a really decent interpretation. And with the live action today, with what they're able to accomplish, you know, they, they, they really do bring it to life. In, yeah. uh, in a really uh, solid, put, way. A solid, solid way they put the pockets on the
0: outside too which apparently sure. in that wardrobe back then wasn't really a part of the, the normal aesthetic um, which I didn't mind go, go for her yeah. and then also for the blues uh, sorry, Bell's red cape uh, they, they made it entirely out of sustainable fabrics, they dyed it with vegetable dyes in their own you know work area and they, they made the shoes with leather um, the, it, eco-leather which, you know, from the whole top to the bottom. Which I thought was cool.
1: Sure. Let me throw this... Kind gave me
0: a little red riding Hood
1: feel. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say about that back cape. But I want to ask something, too. Like, just going back to the iconic yellow gown, okay? Yes. According to the costumer, uh, Duran said, you know, it was the hardest thing to try to come up with. Like, the hardest thing. And she said, Let's we tried all sorts gown, of things we tried making more historical interpretation we made something that was more modern and experimental we made lots of different versions and in the end the guy they chose is closer to the one depicted in the animated, why would you change that? like my, my first thing is why would you go in and change that you're, also you're making like, an iconic scene.
0: I know, but it's also the technicality and the actual movements of it. You do remember, it's like this is an actor who has to work, and it. it has to be movable. You know, there has to be movement just so she can act.
1: But that has so. nothing to do with color. Like, if they were going to change the dress or the gown completely, yeah. they were going to go off page, so to speak, and try something different. And I'm like, why would that even be a thought
0: well like, and you, you know, know and I, I, I agree with that it. we talked about another film um, Jackie
3: <laughs>
0: yes as terrible as <laughs> that film, but it is relevant um, yeah. they, they, they had to change the wardrobe shading of the jacket just so it translated the exact same shade on film right back then and they had to kind of do the same thing with bells. Costume bells yellow because they did try a lot of camera tests and different colors of yellow to see how much the shine and the yellow had it, and like uh, if it was matte fabric, it would look different. Um, how the matte yellow was, but the fabric had um, shine texture. So it, it had the jewelry too. Yeah, jewelry. So like out. sometimes it can look like a certain color on screen, but when or like in, in real life, but when you translate right. it to film it looks a completely different color
2: i think with this movie i would guess that disney was very concerned when you go around disneyland you see the little girls in the bell outfits and this dress read like that it read like the dress that we've come to know Belle to be in the, that iconic right. Right. yeah
0: yeah um and Emma worked um, really closely with Jacqueline, and she said uh, they they wanted to have it light and fluid, So a little structure, like very little structure, so Emma didn't feel inhibited or trapped by it. Hence, the reason why she had to move around, she had to run around a, a town and in in, mm-hmm. in the woods and stuff. So, and she had to ride a freaking horse with this dress. <laughs> so, like, I understand you have to wear something that also is breathable. No, we didn't have a corset. No. People need to get over that.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, it's not even an issue. Yeah. I mean, now what's really awesome is it, it took a crew of 10 people and 12 days or 238 hours to complete.
2: Incredible. <laughs> I mean, Actually, I have in spaceship. my notes,
0: it took 12,000 hours to create the final dress. 12,000 hours. And they had about 3,000 feet of thread was used. 2,160 Swarovski crystals were added to accentuate To her dress as the, the well, they used those yep. crystals. Yep, yeah. yep. And um, the Vercoco, the, the the gold flying down yeah. from the coco's yeah, yeah, yeah. ceiling um, was actual just gold leaf and glitter printed onto the dress to echo.
1: But, but those were, were again, look. those were very nice touches oh, yeah. that you didn't, but again, you get that it was a beautiful gown in the animated. You get what his costume is—you mm-hmm. know, very regal, prince-like. Uh, but in the live action, they were really—they uh, really took the time necessary to make it pop, to yeah. really make it. But that goes into like the wardrobe and the production. I it mean, did pop.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you.
0: Yeah. And there was no cage underneath the dress, like some most right. dresses actually have a cage. But um, to to make up for the you know the fullness of it, there was layers of uh, I believe what is called organza fabric.
2: Mm-hmm. I um, mean that's what it looked like. But I thought that that actually elevated the dance, the dancing at the end. Like I felt like you weren't watching this. Dress that was difficult Mm -hmm. to move. It had a lot of movement. You saw those crystals uh, as they kind of hit the light. I thought that that was actually a great decision on their
0: part. Yeah, you saw the fluidity of the dress, especially when they were spinning. You saw the dress like fly up in the air. Um, I thought it looked gorgeous. And I'm not uh, like, I like when you do updated. Things of old things, but if it's done well, and I thought it was done well in mm-hmm. this, I mean, I'm not like such a purist that oh, it wasn't exactly like this and this and got it wrong. No,
1: has there been? I like guys. Uh, there, there, is there, been there Apparently, there are those?
0: a lot of people out there, there a, who who aren't thrilled with the updated wardrobe. Hmm. That oh. it's not true to form of the animated. I was like, first of all, that was an animation. <laughs> that was 2D. You can literally do anything you want in 2D because it it goes beyond the bounds of realism. This is realistic.
1: (laughs) For a fantasy movie, I I didn't find that it it disrespected the the animated movie. If anything, it enhanced it. Because you have to do something different to bring it to life. Much like Cinderella. When we talked about Cinderella, okay? That was a gorgeous dress, too. That entire ballroom scene was gorgeous. Obviously, they, they have to stick to certain form as to how that dress looks, but... That scene was was beautiful and it wasn't just like the animated it had to be you're you're right to the extent of yeah we're filming a live action movie here and where they can color in a dress we have to make sure that this dress we can animate flow we don't have that luxury here we have to have this flow whatever we can make it dazzle more in post but I I think
0: that Dress in Cinderella Dazzle because they put actual LED lights on it. So, again, but it was a different color, it was a different look, it's a different film.
2: I think think that that. um, as long as it harks back to the original, that's what's important to me. Like, this film definitely made me think of the original. I don't need it to be the exact same, like, bringing animation to life in some weird way. Like, I like that they kind of. Modernized this movie. There were definite moments of like, oh, this is the two thousand seventeen version of this, and I can see that it's it's been nearly thirty years. Like,
0: yeah, right. We're getting old.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> we well, just celebrated its twenty-fifth birthday. Oh, nice okay. Yeah.
2: Okay, so, so. twenty-five. Uh, I was, 26. I was getting a little overzealous in my thirty. <laughs>
1: Our engineer is turning thirty. Yeah, that is true.
2: <laughs> that is true. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs>
0: Thanks, guys. <laughs> We're talking about. Uh, I believe this is actually a fun fact that you brought up about birthdays um, that Emma Watson, yes. Emma Thompson, and Luke Evans all share the same birthday of April. 5th. 15th.
2: Just a random fun fact and that that's was also when the cool. first table read for this was. Like what are the chances? <laughs> that's critical. Cool. It was meant to be. It yeah. Was
1: meant so to be. being born on that date means uh, you can potentially be very creative. It's
0: mm-hmm. a special day for, for everyone. Um, so yeah that's pretty interesting about the wardrobe. So let's go back a little bit um, to, to the casting. But Luke Evans as Gaston. I thought he portrayed Gaston exactly as I imagine, imagined him.
2: Yeah, I. This was actually one of my favorite, uh, I guess, a- uh, actors and uh, performances in the movie. I thought he did a phenomenal job. There was something like he's, as we said earlier, an awful character, but there's something that's still kind of likable about. I, I, I was like, oh, I, like he's like charming enough that you could like overcome some of that.
0: Yeah, I thought the interesting thing that I feel like this movie did, that the animated version did, it gave a little bit more backstory to Gaston, too, knowing that he was war-torn. And so he's suffering from PTSD and it kind of maybe makes up for like his over-inflated ego to make himself feel better, too, because he is a war hero who looks at the world in a more war-torn area.
1: Interesting. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did Demetri like Luke yeah, I'm just like, I mean... <laughs> Twelve-year-old girls don't know what PTSD is and I just it, it giving him backstory, it's all it's all well and good. The important thing here is that he did a really good job, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, the Gaston character, in a sense, he's so pompous, he's almost buffoonish, even in the even in the animated, but he's a very he's not a nice guy. He's very he's not a nice guy. He's the villain. And he he straddled that line uh, fairly well up until he drops Daddy off I in mean, the woods. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah. this is what I was going to say. So where the live action, the Gaston scene in the pub, okay, number one, it was a crowded pub in the, in this live action. It was much more of a musical, big musical number than even so in the live action. And I thought Lou Evans handled that really well Um, he handled his singing like really well and he had the you know he had the look down of looking at himself he was so enamored of himself like but that's what makes Gaston like likable yeah in a sense you know as a villain like that that's there's just something about his, like, he's so pompous and so that, stuck up.
2: That balance between seeing this character do awful, awful things, and then, the, like, these, like, charming, kind of silly moments, and I thought Luke Evans did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. at balancing both.
0: Yeah, I thought he definitely embodied Gaston. He, and He he was such a tool that we all expected him to be. And I thought, he, like, I, I didn't really know Luke Evans' singing voice, because I never really saw him singing anything else, but he had a voice. Great.
1: Well, he, he was cast. It uh, was, at, you know, um, he was cast because uh, the casting director knew that he could sing, and she had seen him in a musical called Piaf in London, um, and so that's what sort of kind of that was the inspiration by seeing him in a play, um, and he definitely had that. You know, he had those there's, there's chops, so to speak, you know, obviously you're not gonna, you know, in the animated movie, he's really big, 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 mm-hmm. but you, you know, but in this movie, his person, I mean, he's, he's a presence, he's big, but his personality has to be big. really bigger, yeah. you know, in order to make up for fake muscles or whatever. And he did, he, he fit it really well. He did it, he did a really good job. Uh, And I appreciated him for that.
0: Yes. Let's talk about Josh Gad, LeFou, his Uh, sidekick.
2: Yeah, I love it. I I think Josh is just so fun. And he's, like, becoming this guy in all these Disney films. And it's just mm -hmm. fun to see him
0: fun person likable personality and i like how they changed yes we all know that it's not really controversy you guys but (laughs) lefou as a gay character in this film literally when you see this film that is not what this film is about there's a wink there's a dancing together for one second with another man at the end there was a hug and
2: that was it i I mean i'm guessing that like in total this like the gay controversy if you (laughs) want to call it that it's like thirty seconds of this film.
0: It's not even thirty seconds. It's yeah. About like five seconds.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Like I said, I think it's, uh, it's 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 almost an insult that that so much has been made about this because it really is used for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you know, Josh Gad, who, who I do appreciate. I did feel I sort of liken in his performance in this movie, as I like in Matthew Broderick's performance in the movie version of the Broadway produced producers Producers, where to me in that movie, I felt that uh, uh, Matthew Broderick was playing for the cheap seats. uh, Like he was still (laughs) in a Broadway play. I sort of kind of felt that with him. There there were some choices that he was doing facial expressions that I was like, uh, he was my only, like he wasn't bad. He didn't tank the movie for me. He was, he was okay. I did like how he was a little bit more of Gaston's sound of reason. Like, Gaston, are you sure you want to leave him here? Like, is mm-hmm. that a yeah. good thing to do? Yeah. At least kind they had that. He was his conscience. At least they put that in for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then uh, there apparently there was a scene that was cut out with him towards the end where uh, he actually approaches the Enchantress and says geez, yeah, it's been a really, it's been a really busy couple of days over here, huh? Wow, well, you really put those characters through the ringer, and and and, <laughs> and, 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 and like, they cut out the scene. Um, but I, I appreciate his comedic timing, and I actually liked like when he was fighting at the end, like that's his physical comedy and stuff is where I was like, oh, he's really funny. I like watching Josh Gad.
0: Yeah, and I like uh, LaFue kind of evolved in this film more than he did in the animated and Broadway, because even in this film, LeFu had a change of heart when Gaston turned on him. He's like, I don't want to be bad anymore. I'm not fighting yeah. for Gaston. He's like, and he made him more likable at the end because he was turning on his own people. You don't see that in the original film,
1: and it's not. I, I take it you said it's not even hinted in the Broadway. Yeah, no, in, in, in the Broadway,
0: odd. like he gets his comeuppance too. Yeah, okay. Because he, cause he's still on the technically the quote unquote bad side it's with the, Gaston. Right, right. He's with the, all the villagers who don't understand everything. And he doesn't really get a happy ending as well. Mm-hmm. But LaFou in this film did.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. they definitely added depth to this character um, from the original. I felt like it was. Um, yeah, he had a little bit more going on. it, And also, I wanted a little bit more of this, like, there was a bit of, like, a buddy situation with Gaston that I, I don't remember being as prevalent in the original.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I like that they added that to LeFou as well. The other thing, too, is that Luke Evans apparently really loved working with Josh Ganson <laughs> when he goes, I want to work with him again. Because we had such a great time working together. And you actually, that's one thing, too, about Certain movies, like we always talk about chemistry. Mm-hmm. The chemistry in this movie worked um, with everybody. Yeah, involved. I was going to say like, through and through. Yeah, through and through. So, you know, the performances were like fantastic. Importantly, the chemistry worked. And that always heightens performance or, you know, it makes everything palpable. But you could tell that they were having a good time. And even he goes on, you know, what's lovely about LeFou's character is he finds his soul and identity throughout the movie. Um, just as almost everybody else does except for Gaston. Gaston yes. dies.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He dies as he
1: shows
3: up. I was game going to
2: say, I was like, for that sure. would be the real twist if they like, like that would not be a good ending too. Like he has to, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's just the he way a Disney to. film works. Yeah. yeah.
1: He and to. he was so, like there was nothing, LeFou, you can say, there are things redeemable about him. Absolutely. There was nothing redeemable about the character of Gaston, particularly in this movie. You know, he's the monster. He's a... He is. Yeah, exactly. He is the monster.
0: He's no monster. Absolutely. You are Gaston. All right. When um, you talked about the chemistry, I thought the... um. Let, let's talk about... Of course, we have to talk about Coxworth, Mrs. Potts, and... Oh, gather yeah. uh, Ian McKellen, Emma Thompson, and Audra McDonald. And even Stanley Tucci. Add him in
1: as Cadenza. And... and, and... You're forgetting, Ewan um, McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yeah, Ewan McGregor. yeah, yeah.
0: Lumiere. Didn't oh, not that. <laughs> Didn't Adam. Of course, Ewan McGregor. Um, a, apparently, a lot of people aren't too thrilled with the voice character of Lumiere, and like, again, how uh, Ewan portrayed this character.
2: I was interested in the research to see that, like, it was a struggle for him to to get it. Like, you rarely read when we do research, like a struggle and when as someone's making a film and this seems like it was a struggle he went in and re-recorded his voice and um he uh wasn't comfortable in the motion capture suit at times like it seemed like it was a challenging uh role for him which i understand like playing a candlestick not easy
0: (laughs) candelabra
2: (laughs) yeah candelabra
0: um what did you think
1: I thought the voice talent was really was really good. What struck me is it looked like they had more fun. I had more fun watching them when they became human. They seemed to have more fun, like I was like, oh, when you see Ian McKellen like and their nods at the end, to me that that was like uh, that, that's who they are. And they they seem to have like they seem to relish playing being human almost more than they did their uh, uh, their CGI animated selves. Mm. And again. When you're looking at David Ogden Steers uh, and that other, um, I can't think of his name right now, uh, the gentleman who played Lumiere.
2: Oh, uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan?
1: No, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, in the in the animated uh, oh. movie. Yeah, you know those are those are really big shoes to fill. But then again, all they had to do is voice act. Um, so, you know, coming into this movie, I thought, they, I thought they all did a very fine job. Emma Thompson has extremely huge shoes to fill I think biggest yeah, than anybody Angela Lansbury, Angela Lansbury. Is
0: the original Mrs. Potts because we know um, which is interesting uh, if you guys haven't ripped, picked up the <laughs> ultimate guide <laughs> to Beauty and the beast entertainment weekly style, I you
1: love that she loves this movie so much
0: get it. it's well, fantastic
2: Yeah. what it's have you been doing if you didn't pick no, it up obviously. Yeah, <laughs> what
0: have you been doing with your life you call yourself a Disney fan if you don't
2: have this movie.
0: okay <laughs> Um, well, the the interesting thing about what I I learned in this was that um, Beauty and the Beast, the animated original, nineteen ninety one, Angela Lansbury was so attached to it that they wrote the song Beauty and the Beast with her in mind. They actually wow. wrote like two different versions of the song. One was more popish, more kind of like a top hit kind of feel to Beauty and the Beast, and another was a more ballad. And they actually sent the demo of the more popish version to Angela Lansbury, she didn't like it, she immediately turned it down. And then when Alan Macon found out that uh, they sent her the the popish version, he was like, No no no, you sent her the ballad one and so they immediately sent her the second version which was the more ballad, which is the one we all know and love. Right. And Angela Lansbury heard that and she immediately said yes. And then she recorded Beauty and the Beast song in one take and that's what we all know. But the fact that she's so tied to the original that she literally set the bar for Mrs. Potts. So yeah, Emma Thompson has a lot to fill in. A lot to fill but in. with what she was giving I thought she did well.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah and yeah. she did well. I
1: mean no, I mean it's it's so hard because again I even think to an extent it, well it, it it the ballroom scene in which that song is sung right it, it's just hard to compare because that is a role that Angela Lansbury made her own and she took the time and care nothing against Emma Tom. she did a fine job oh, like yeah. everybody did her a voice. fine job that's why I always that's why I say this is the cover band like <laughs> this is the cover band everybody shows up and they they did their part and it's not like, I don't hate the movie. Emma Thompson did a fine job. She's no Angela Lansbury. I will choose the Angela Lansbury version of this song over the Emma Thompson and her voicing is fine uh, as well. Um, I wanted to talk about, what are your thoughts on Chip?
2: Oh, I thought it was so cute.
1: (laughs) But uh, they they, they made one change and to me it's, I, I didn't really care, where they made him an only child in this movie. Yeah. Where in the animated movie he has a cover full of brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, uh, but at so the specific. end of the animated version you don't see those other kids either. No. You just see Chip. Chip yeah.
2: I I thought yeah. the voice of Chip was so yes. sweet. Like yeah. it just and then the boy at the end was like it's exactly who that voice would be belong yes. to. Yeah. I was like this was phenomenal cuz right. that's something where like in a live action I think if you have a vision of who the boy is the entire right. time, or certainly I did, and sure. and he was like come to life of at least my version, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I like Chip. He he played the kid like we we all know. Um, I'm not really familiar with the actor who played him. I'm and, not either. And he he is a newcomer too, so but that didn't. Did, to from his performance. No. It, it, it sounded like no. it can and it was. Now,
1: can we talk about Miss Potts and how she is the most tragic character in this entire story? Like, that character in this movie? Oh, sure. Because she's Mrs. Potts. She has a husband who does not <laughs> fall under the enchanted curse, okay? Mm-hmm. He grows old throughout the many years that, that she is a pot, yeah. okay? she doesn't age a bit and she's a teapot. When she comes back to life, she's got a husband who's that much more older than she. Mr. Potts? And, 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 um, and Mr. Potts isn't in the animated movie. No, you just called right, Mrs. Potts. But again, I'm going back to the truth. Where this is a darker film, the stakes, albeit, you don't want to be a teapot for the rest of your life, right? So if the enchanted rose crumbles before anybody falls in love, in the animated film, you got the sense that they were destined to just be these characters. This movie, they were gonna lose everything. They were going to be. Chip was gonna be a cup. That's right. it. No life, no sentience, nothing. They were gonna forget about their lives. Same with all the characters. That to me is dark and tragic. Like yeah. that that raises the stakes in this movie tremendously so, because if Lumiere is all he's only ever going to be a candlestick with no person. He's just going to be a candlestick. Like, that enchantment's going to fall off. They don't get... They literally don't get to be human again. Um, and
0: we didn't get that number.
1: Were, you, were, were, you, were you waiting for it? I, I
0: was kind of expecting him again.
1: We'll, we'll get into the yeah. music,
0: but let, let's quickly, quickly talk about Audrey McDonald, who played Madame Guy the Robe. And uh, they, they did give the wardrobe a bigger role in the Broadway um, story. Did in they? In the Broadway production. But her name was Madame de la Grande Bouche, not (laughs) Madame Gatherobe. But I think Audra is great. We know she has an amazing operatic singing voice. Um, This was
2: something I was trying to recall from the 1991 version. Do you hear her sing in... Yeah. Okay.
0: We know in the animated version she is an opera singer. (laughs) Okay.
2: I I couldn't recall that. But, yeah, I thought her voice is unbelievable. So, of course,
0: yeah. Which is ironic, because like Audra arguably has like the best singing voice out of everyone, because she sure. is a Tony-winning singer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I thought she was great. And Stanley Tucci was there for laughs. He played Cadenza. Sure. He was yeah. a brand new character. Yeah. Um, I liked him. He he yeah. was the harpsichord piano. Yeah. Fine. It made sense for the Beauty and Beast sure. number.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: he really didn't do anything other than give us Who's a couple Stanley laughs. Who's Stanley Tucci? Yeah. Other than give it a couple laughs. But yeah, let's get into the direction and production cinematography. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about on cinematography. But Bill Condon, um, so actually wasn't the first choice for this film. He actually Guillermo del Toro dropped from this film, and if you think about it, if he was the director of this film. It would have been a completely different film.
2: I'm assuming that that had Gothic. to be when it was considered. They were considering darker. going the darker yeah, direction. Yeah. Like it, it could not have been for this musical right
1: yeah no yeah. I, I mean it would have been interesting to see uh, to, to see him try to do a, a musical and see his inspirations come up to screen. but Bill Condon again strategically from a picking the choice, you're going to a guy who's done musicals before mm-hmm. you know he, girls. yeah and he, he, he gets it and picking him is was a wise move and giving him the gig to do this i thought his direction again his direction was fine Uh, there was nothing wrong about direction editing with the exception of the pacing we talked about but he kept the camera moving um focused yeah he did it plus he did a really good job with his actors whether they were doing voice acting whether they were whether it's emma watson He did a really good job of galvanizing this crew.
2: Yeah, what I kept thinking about with this movie is the number of moving parts you have. You have people singing, you have action going on, you have CGI. Like, there's a lot at play all happening in many scenes. And in order to balance all of that as a director is... I thought he did a great job with that. Right.
0: Yeah. I think he did great. And you know he's worked with Ian McKellen before multiple times. And he, Bill Condon, is actually a big fan of musicals himself. So I think that helps when you have that already innate love for these types of films. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to like be true to musicals. And uh, the the interesting thing is um, he didn't want it all to be CGI. And so he did have big sets for this Mm -hmm. film, which I truly appreciate. I mean, obviously we're going to have some CG with the characters and stuff, but a lot of the sets were all, if, Uh if not all of them, practical, which was... A humongous feat in and of itself with yeah. Disney and their money and their budget. Um, <laughs> I mean, they could do yeah. that, you
3: know. <laughs> Absolutely. So
0: uh, th- that brings us into the production and cinematography. We had uh, Tobias Schlesinger. Schlesinger, I probably butchered that too. Who was the cinematographer, and of course Sarah Greenwood, who was the production designer right. and basically the person for the whole vision of what the actual look is right. of this film.
2: And go the, woman! Yeah, I was going to say it deserves so <laughs> much woman credit. Not. Because I felt like, in a lot of ways, the production design is what pulled me into this movie and made me want to be there and and be in this universe for two hours and some change.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and we have to also, Katie Spencer, who is the set decorator, uh, also, uh, you know, did this amazing time, you know, this, this, this just amazing look, and... You know, they cherry-picked inspiration from architecture in additional countries, including Germany, Portugal, and making this castle, which had a light, light slight nod to Walt himself. Um, it was the production design that drew me in. Mm. I was just fascinated by the detail. I would just watch it going, wow, all right, that's really cool. And whether it's little cracks or the artwork that was uh, 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 in the castle... Um, Again, there was all the production design, set decorating that really drew me in because it did create the world. One thing that I think for me that I really have to say, uh, you know, regardless that I didn't maybe love it as much as you folks did, the one thing that I think is very important that I don't think that this live-action movie disrespected the animated movie in any which way, shape, and or form. There was no disrespect. It was it was a pure. There was pure love there, and you can tell the intent. Was to do it with with love and care, mm-hmm. uh, so as not to upset people. So as far as that goes, you can tell, you can tell the, the TLC that was given to this oh, movie. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. What What I loved about this, they built twenty seven massive practical sets for this film, and um, it, it was built. They built the castle across five different <laughs> stages. Um, Condon said. He said you could walk into the fireplace outside the dining room through the entry wall into the ballroom onto the terrace. So like literally each room connected to each other to, to yeah. a whole different studio and soundstage and I thought it was fantastic. Um, the cool thing is uh, you, you talked about the, the styles you, know, you had the Rococo look and Palace of Versailles and um, those type of looks and, as well and uh, for the ballroom the even the ballroom itself, that they had glass chandeliers that were literally the sizes of London buses. Mm-hmm. They were that massive. That they were fourteen feet high, and seven to eight feet wide, and there was ten of them mm-hmm. that they had to hung hang yep. from the uh,
2: ceiling. I mean, again, you're getting into this idea of like the scale of this movie, and it, the in order to do that, like what you're saying is incredible. I mean, and you can see it in in their budget. Yeah, it shows. You, you mentioned it earlier. It, it shows on screen.
1: So the floor of the film's castle is made from 12,000 square feet of faux marble. Yeah. Uh, it was based on a pattern found in a ceiling at the Benedictine Abbey in uh, the Czech Republic. And if you look closely, uh, the team placed the monogram in the middle of the floor. And what initials did they choose other than WD yep. for the beloved Walt Disney? Um So, but it's all these things, like faux marble. I couldn't tell. It looked beautiful. But, you know, it's, again, getting it right. And so far, you know, whether it be Cinderella, if you want to count Maleficent in their Jungle Book, you know, they've been getting it right. Um, But those
0: sets were mostly... A VFX, right. not practical. This, this was,
1: and th- this is how the money is all on screen in this movie. Oh, yeah. for sure.
0: um, Also, also another room, where the, the the west wing of where the actual rose was mm-hmm. located. Right. Uh, they um, they took inspiration from the Nymphenburg Palace of Munich, in which it had that darker, inspired look. Um, and uh, the, the, there was one that was Baroque style no. for for the rose. Fascinating! I love this.
1: I, there was one the thing that was actually real uh, outside of like the sets, the, the true sets mm-hmm. uh, without CG, and that was the cake at the end of Our and they <laughs> actually did blow up the top of the cake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cake,
2: but, that has to be a fun day on set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. Sure. It wasn't a fun
1: day apparently
2: for Emma Watson um, at all because yeah, she, she
1: had she, nothing she to there. really do but. Yeah. sit and react same. but yeah. um, but that's what it Bill very long does time.
0: Throughout, even in the production like you, you go to Broadway as well because you know I've been part of on stage productions of Beauty and the Beast like Be Our Guest is is arguably the biggest musical number, right. number in the the whole story and Bill literally just sits there
2: yeah I think also she's it- missing out on the phone uh, Be Our Guest is, like, it, it's so recognizable, and Disney knows that that's, like, something that's so associated to Beauty and the Beast, and, and they, uh, I know this is kind of jumping ahead to marketing a bit, but that they, like, bring to their theme parks, they have, like, the beauty, uh, the Be Our Guest restaurant, uh, I think, <laughs> at Disney World, nice. and, like, the and they have, like, the gray stuff, they really have done a phenomenal job of, like, tying this movie into...
1: That's what Disney does
2: best. Yeah.
0: Disney Disney money. Um, Yeah, the be our guest number in this film, it took them six months of planning and 15 months to complete. um, It was obviously performed all by CGI, but uh, the whole set was all practical. Like, when it came down to the the table and the chairs, and um, they actually had New York lighting designers create light along walls that reflected off of literally nothing because you, know, you had to go back and post to put the CGI characters in there. But they made the light reflect like people were there when they really weren't. Sure. Um, that's the, that's the detail that they put into just the look of this number. Right. And they, yes, they consider recreating the camera moves from the, the animated film, but decided to keep it more grounded and slightly less extreme. And, um, if you guys didn't notice, this is also one of the Easter eggs throughout the Beauty and the Beast. Or sorry, throughout the Be Our Guest number, um, we had Cogsworth and the Palace of our Agrabah yes. from Aladdin. Yep. Uh, I thought that was pretty yeah. neat. Random, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, neat. Which I think that also takes us into you know the VFX of all the characters too mm-hmm. the the different looks. Mrs. Potts was actually a character that they struggled with the look sure. of because it's easier to translate it in animated style. Where Absolutely. in the animated version, Mrs. Potts's handle was her nose. Right. And they tried to do many iterations of that, of the same type of look in film, but they made it, they said all the versions that they came out with made her just look like a pig with a different type of snout, and they said it wasn't looking right. Yeah. And they, yeah, Mrs. Poss was the character they struggled with
2: the most
1: for the look.
2: Again, such an iconic character, though. You do want to get this right, and I think with that sometimes comes a struggle.
1: Yeah, and, you know, even Chip, Chip, Chip looked great too, and he had his. You want to see something funny? (laughs) You know, he blows a little bubble up top of his head. Um, No, they did a great job, I thought, uh, animating or or whatever you want to call like Mrs. Potts. Um, She the she looked like fine porcelain, Mm -hmm. Um, like she deserved to be, Mm -hmm. Um, and the way. They animated her expressions, and no, I thought they did a great job. So, whatever hard work and whatever struggles they overcame, they, it, again, it shows up very well and nicely on screen.
0: Yeah, they said that game. the first version that um, it was too close to a real teapot for the look. The second version was too ornate, and then uh, the, the they actually built the practical prop on set so for placement and timing mm-hmm. and all of that and the uh for the replication of the facial expressions that was all obviously post-production but they replicated it off of emma thompson's actual facial expressions sure. when she was acting so to translate that onto a porcelain looking figure takes a lot of work oh, absolutely. as absolutely well so I mean, they did a great job. So Emma, Emma Thompson, yeah, she's no Angela Lansbury, but she didn't. She contributed a lot. Yeah.
1: to Yeah, you know, in, in in many ways too. It's like they always talk about in the 1991 Beauty and the Beast that they couldn't have made that movie in 1981 because the animation technology just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So Beauty and the Beast was a great sign of the times because they had the proper tools to make it the movie that it is. Same thing with this movie. You couldn't have made this movie. In the mid, you know, mid two thousands, like you couldn't, you couldn't have made it in two thousand and six, uh, two thousand and seven. The technology just wouldn't have been there, uh, you know, for them to utilize and use it well. And here too, you know, the technology was utilized as a tool. It wasn't, uh, it didn't overshadow story. Um, and again, there, there was no disrespect in anything. They didn't change, they didn't change things so much that you that you would like it. Everything harkens back to the animated in a very uh, in a really nice live action way. So yeah. they, they, they they paid great respect.
0: Yeah, and we talked about it in the in our nineteen ninety one anatomy discussion that you know back then when they made the film they used new technology <laughs> yeah. that that was groundbreaking for the look of it, and that's why it got a lot of critical acclaim because it looked so new and different. And this one because the technology technology is already there and has even advanced even farther. It made it look better.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, so it's not new, it's just better. Um, and grander. It's grander advanced. It's, yeah. yeah, it's way, it's way yeah. more advanced, but uh, let's talk about the music, shall sure, we? Sure, yeah. Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, he is a god. Um, yeah, he knew about that they were making the live action film ten about ten years ago. This right. has been in the works for a long time. And, of course, Alan Mencken worked on the original film with Howard oh, Ashman. Ashman, the late Howard Ashman, who, sadly, um, he passed away March 21st, 1991, when they were in the process of making the original animated film. So, we literally just came upon his, his anniversary of his death just a few days ago. So, yeah, rest in peace, Howard Ashman. But uh, he... He also, we know Alan went back when they did the Broadway production Mm -hmm. and he added new songs to that. And that's what I was kind of surprised with this film, that they, because it is live action, it literally opens the door to have those new songs that were on Broadway to be added into this, but really weren't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen the Beauty and the Beast on Broadway as well, and um, it would have been nice to have... I think I would have preferred that actually to some of the backstory that we got if we had one or two of those songs from the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though, that like I think people are really wanting this to feel like the original. So I, I could argue both sides of that, to be honest, that yeah. like it, it fits and it doesn't.
1: Well, he was asked um, why not use any of the songs from the Broadway adaptation. And he was like, that was an open question until we got into it. So it was a thought, but the initial six songs from the animated musical were clearly, you have, you have to put them in. Yeah. Um, there were two from the stage production that he would have loved to use, oh. Human Again, Human which yeah. um, which we brought up, which they have put back into the animated version. They have. Um, the DVD as a, Yeah, it's the special edition version of Beauty and the Beast. Um, and he loves the song, but it was nine-minute number... And again, when we're talking about pacing, a nine-minute number, adding padding It's a lifetime for children. Yeah. Sure. Um, and because of the logic in the story. So instead, we use something there, since both deal with Belle and the Beast falling in love and everyone anticipating becoming human again. The other one, of course, is Beast's If I Can't Love Her. The Beast has driven Belle away. And now that he can't love her, you know who could he ever love? It's a moment of just crying out to the heavens. But that song was put in specifically... For the act break of a Broadway show. Uh, in yeah. a film, people aren't going out to the bathroom to get drinks. Well, actually, but people the, get up all the time. No, but that's true. That's very true because in, yes. in
0: the Broadway version, that is literally literally the last number of Act One, and then you break for right. an intermission. Yeah. Um, and you can't have that in this film. Yeah. But it was interesting that they didn't use that song, but they added ever more. Mm hmm which gave the beast more depth and 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 also also opened up the 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 audience's eyes that he's starting to fall in love with them.
2: yeah i felt like one of the primary focuses of i guess or changes to this film uh from the 1991 version was trying to explain a little bit more about the beast and about, um, Belle and, and their backstory. And I thought that the music actually, that was something that I really did appreciate that. I felt like some of the music changes did that. Well,
1: yeah, it was mm-hmm. again, so long as you have the iconic things mm-hmm. and you're not changing them up all that much, which they, they, they didn't, <clears throat> you know, so much, but, uh, other than bring them into a more, you know, musical grand numbers, like I mentioned, Gaston, uh, yeah, the music was fine. Uh, you know, did we need anything new? Uh, and again, I just felt that sometimes those new scenes just added padding to a movie which had a runtime of uh, it was about almost like two two hours. It was yeah. uh,
0: two hours nine minutes. Um, that's which is what, long for children. It's too. fairly lengthy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but we, we talk about Gaston. There were some new lyrics in Gaston, which yeah. actually aren't new lyrics. If people need to realize that, that Howard Ashman actually wrote those lyrics years ago when he was alive this was already 25 plus years now right. he wrote these um, lines and they out—they actually cut them from the original animated version but they added them back in mm-hmm. to this one And but people aren't used to these lines so they think right. it's new and technically it's not I thought that was interesting and the whole Days in the Sun the backstory of the Beast um, was you know something that is new that was added yeah. to it that Again, backstory to, to the Beast. And Marisa's song, when he's in his workshop with the music boxes, Right, um, refers back to Belle's backstory in her, her earlier days. And now, when you put both of those backstories with Belle's and Beast together, they both love roses, too. Or, like, they both have, like, a symbolism of, of rose really in their sweet. life. Sure. Yeah. Like, it means something to them. Then the, yeah, the ending reprise of, at the very, very end, when they're all changed back into human. Right. I love that look, though. When they're all in white, yeah. dancing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ballroom. That was an amazing yeah. scene. Um, that was the, the last day of filming. Yeah. Um, that was literally the last number that they were all
1: filming. Maybe that is why, when I looked at it, they had the most, that's where these, like, especially our, our animated characters, mm-hmm. seem to be the happiest. Because, like, they really did, like, they seemed to be relishing playing, like, these... And they were so dressed up from from Ian McKellen and, and Ewan McGregor and... You know they were all human. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to act against the green screen. But that scene, the the the, the wedding, the the party scene, oh, the, yeah. the reception scene was oh, yeah, yeah, it was a really great scene.
0: Well, the interesting thing is too because that was the last thing that the whole cast, um, you know, that was the first time the whole cast was actually together throughout the whole filming. You know, when you do a lot of CGI and mm-hmm. stuff, you and when you're filming, you usually film your one scenes. So you don't really spent a lot of time with all the actors sure that was the one scene where everybody was on set except for the exception of Gaston Luke Evans because of his character but everyone was together the whole cast and crew was together in that, and that's why they actually that translated to Scream where everyone was so happy because that was the first time everyone got to actually meet each other
1: go out on a high note
0: so Mm -hmm. yeah I I love the look and there were some lyrics in the ending reprise song when they're all singing that that wasn't um that's not new either, because those were old lyrics that Ashman actually wrote too, and mm-hmm. they added that back in.
1: Yeah, it was Great. a nice homage to him, uh, and I'm sure he would have been proud, or is proud, uh, as he's watching down, you know, upon this. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. he's very proud.
0: And, and Alan Menken, you know, who's worked on so many Disney films, mm-hmm. and the, it has a lot to live up to considering they won Best Score and Song for the original. Sure. How do you live up to already winning an Oscar song when you're going to do it again? Right. Um, so that that was a challenge, but Alan was definitely on board. Uh, I would have loved to sing Home, though, because we did hear the, the theme song of Home, right. of the Broadway version, when Belle first goes into her new bedroom, when they're transferring her into a new bedroom, her first night of captivity. Yeah. Um, you hear the underscore of Home.
1: Yeah.
0: But so You couldn't have it because she's... Again, the, she's not Broadway trade. I mm-hmm. don't think she could hit those ah, notes. Yeah, I no, agree.
1: Okay but that. I will say this. What, what, what's the challenge? The challenge when, you, when you're saying, like, you know, yes, Academy Award winning for music, for song, and such. He, the challenge is that you can't screw it up. Mm-hmm. You may not be going in to, to receive, uh, you know, yet another Oscar nomination for best song, at the, but you can't screw it up. Oh. You've got to make sure that, you know, it works. Um, you know, even a cover band, if they're going to be worth their their weight in beers and money and what a cover charge, you can't you can't screw it up. You sort of kind of have to sound a little bit like Led Zeppelin or the Believer, whoever it yes. is. But you you just and they didn't screw up. Like it it didn't it didn't suck, and they paid good respect to the, to the animated. So even you know everybody stood up. Everybody did a very fine job. Uh, in doing that but yeah. that's the challenge you can't you know
0: and i don't think this film it. screwed up on their promotion that's for sure
2: oh, <laughs> uh no they uh, like you wanna talk about one it? of the most well promoted films i've seen in a long time um do you do you want me to go into yeah, it go for yeah. it um so they uh had a premiere uh or they premiered the first uh teaser trailer on good morning america which uh, of course is another disney property just mm-hmm. abc disney um so in its first 24 hours uh, the teaser trailer reached 91.8 million views which topped the number of views seen um in that amount of time in history so record-breaking as a foreshadowing to what was to come with the box office mm-hmm. um and uh they talk about that uh so, the first TV spot with Watson singing was shown during the 74th uh, Golden Globe Awards. So, was that, I'm trying to remember, uh, in, in January? Janu- yeah, January. In, in January, okay. Of this
0: year, 2017.
2: And they spent um, $140 million uh, promoting this film worldwide.
0: Well, Disney
2: money. And I have mm-hmm. to say that I have seen this cast. I feel like, everywhere. Like, Josh Gad promo- uh, was a co-host on Live with Kelly, uh, as this was coming out. Like, they were everywhere, and props to them, because it worked.
0: <laughs> it definitely worked. Yeah. And you, the, I remember when the, the teaser trailer came out last year, I was one of the first people to watch it, because of course I followed Disney and everything that Emma Watson's in. And uh, like, I watched the tr- teaser trailer so many times, I probably contributed to about 100 views of that. And, <laughs> and But that was just the teaser. I was so excited for Beauty and the Beast. And they actually did that that teaser just to test out the audience of to see if this film was going to track well. And the fact that it broke records just in views in 24 hours, they're like, yeah, we, we have a hit.
2: They were talking about that um, other movies that have done really well uh, with their trailers have been like Captain America and Avengers, and it beat all of those. Yeah, yeah it Star beat Star Wars, yeah. Wars yeah.
0: Force Awakens, yeah. and 50 Shades <laughs> Torture. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I mean, from a marketing standpoint, again, it's rare that Disney makes a misstep, uh, especially in today's yeah. day and age. It's 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 rare having the goods. Like it wasn't just above and beyond. Let's let's put the let, let's put the teaser on Good Morning America. It is. It really was all about. It started from we're making Beauty. and Our next live action adaptation is going to be Beauty and the Beast. Okay, that gets people excited. We've just cast Emma Watson as Belle. Huge. Like, that gets huge response. So this was like, this just kept building and building and building. And it wasn't like, yes, you had the teaser trailer leading into a full trailer. Yes, you had some amazing print ads. Uh, It was all over the place. Um, Then when you get the synergy with, with with the parks, when you get the synergy with their networks... And advertised, like, you couldn't, you couldn't know that this movie was coming out.
2: Right. Yeah. You
1: know, whether you're a person who watches trailers. All right, so say you don't watch trailers. It's definitely on TV. I see the poster up everywhere. Well,
2: I mean, they were on everything. Like, everything. I mean, it was like they did um, a cut in with The Bachelor with the Rose tie in. So, like... It, they were all over ABC. like Because uh, I have friends who watch... We all watch The Bachelor together. And they did the tie-in with The Bachelor. I think two weeks in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so, uh, and they had, like, Josh Gad uh, there doing that. He, like, I gotta get... I think Josh Gad, I feel like I saw him for, like, two weeks uh, promoting this film everything I watched. He's now
1: <laughs> Well, he is now... Uh, he is a, he's a Disney staple. I mean, yeah. from his uh, Snowman character in Frozen... Um, mm-hmm. His voice, he voices, uh, right now I forget that character's name, stupid Uh, man.
2: In Frozen? Um, Olaf. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So
1: as Olaf, he plays a big, you know, he was in the world of color and Josh Gad now. I mean, Josh Gad now is firmly entrenched within the Disney Disney world world and, and family, so... Uh, he'll be in the. I'm sure he will be in the Frozen sequel.
2: Yes, um, I so, can't imagine can't, Frozen without Olaf. You know, <laughs> and
1: so, um, and and you know, he takes wonderful pride in in doing so. You can't fault an actor for taking pride in the character that that he created. That even if even if the character becomes like because they're selling Olaf, they're not selling Josh Gad, but he appreciates the fandom he loves like in what it's afforded him i mean how can you not he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder about being famous for being a talking snowman and now you know and i think he's really
2: embraced it like he he loves like you see him at disney theme parks i think and like he's really embraced being this guy and this to a degree role model uh in the disney world
0: right well everyone has embraced this film it seems like at least financially um yet yeah, for total lifetime grosses this movie let's get into the box office shall we it broke records yes. beyond compare uh so as of what i have as of march 22nd it garnered for domestically it has uh, almost Two hundred and twenty million domestically. For foreign to over two hundred and sixty million. So worldwide we're about four hundred four hundred and eighty
1: million million. Technically it's uh right at two hundred and twenty eight million domestically. Um yeah, and fifty three percent of the the worldwide boxes came box office came from foreign. So it's, it's, it's doing it's huge doing four in well. 262. Um, opening weekend, it was 174. Uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Tracking was way off. Uh, they've been yeah. way off all year. Um, and by 30 million, you know, like, it's tracking and, and being a weather person seem to be, um, although even the weather people aren't as wrong as tracking has been all year. Like, if you were in a company and you and you kept on, Making accounting mistakes in the tune of thirty, forty, twenty million dollars—you really wouldn't be having a job. <laughs> so, That's but true. again, this movie was slated to come in and maybe do one hundred and forty, which would have been fantastic. Don't get me wrong; like we're talking big numbers. But when you do one hundred and seventy-four, almost one hundred and seventy-five million, three-day just in the first week, you're going into spring break now too. And there's been a lot of repeat business. You said already you've seen it I've twice. Seen it twice.
2: Uh, I've seen it twice. I've seen it once. Okay. Um, but I think that the, like, longevity of this, like, it's going to be in theaters for a sure. while. Oh, Like, I'm guessing till we get, like, a number of summer blockbusters going. Like, I, I'm guessing it's going to be, like, a six what to eight. What, are we in March right yeah. now? So I'm it'll probably, yeah, so i will probably
1: there until May. Yeah. yeah. At least, you know. Yeah. It's one of the reasons, too. Like, there's a whole big thing going on in the industry of, like, shrinking... Are our, our, not ours, but shrinking the home entertainment window, which currently it's about ninety days. In which, after ninety days, then the studio can elect to release its movie on Blu-ray mm-hmm. DVD. Mm-hmm. <clears> There's <throat> great talk about shrinking that window even down, uh, even more so, and having move, uh, studios release movies on video on demand even for, sooner. For, for, even sooner. Mm-hmm. For like thirty dollars. So you would get a movie, it comes out two to three weeks later, it's on video on demand, but you pay thirty dollars uh-huh. to, to watch it. You don't own it, you'll watch it. And Disney's one of the only studios that says, nah, we don't have to. And they don't have don't, to no. why would they like why would they after three weeks wanna put their movie on video on demand When it's still playing and making boatloads of money.
2: Also, for Disney, it's so they make so many family movies. And think about in terms of box office, you're getting, I don't know three, four, five people to go sit in your movie theater. If right. that that's still they're still making more money than if they're paying that thirty dollar premium. Like right. it doesn't make sense for them and especially in the types no. of films they make. Uh, no, and yeah. let's talk
0: and the, about what, we,
1: we could talk about the records then. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, well, just go, going into it. The biggest live action opening of all time and it was also the biggest March opening, number one opening of twenty seventeen in the UK and Ireland. Um for for the records, yeah ridiculous it was the well, seventh large well you were gonna say yeah that. it was the
1: domestic opening of all time for a film-rated PG
0: PG yep
1: yeah. number um, seven launch overtaking launch of all time.
0: Disney's own finding Dory <laughs> uh, which had a 135 million and that was that was funny. It's
2: gotta feel that. good to beat yourself at, oh, yeah. a, at a studio, like yeah. oh, we had the <laughs> well, yeah. biggest
1: debut of all time for a female fuel film. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, awesome. it was beating out things like Twilight and Hunger Games and such. The biggest domestic bow in almost a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Alice in Wonderland, you know, yeah, step aside. So yeah, there we're in March, almost into April. Okay, mm-hmm. so we are coming into blockbuster type season. We're coming into the summer. So, you know, again, Disney just has a run of the table. And if anybody's going to beat Beauty and the Beast. The odds are it could potentially be Disney,
3: <laughs> whether oh, it's yeah. Guardians
1: of the Galaxy Volume Two or whatever movie they have coming down the pike for the rest of this year.
2: It, it's funny, my, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, awesome. my mom was asking me like about this movie and uh and also like what else is to come uh, this summer, and I start listing off the movies that I thought like had a potential of, of doing really well, and you're, you know that this is going to be probably top five uh, in the box office this year, and then. And I list them off, and I'm like, I think these are all like it's like Disney because Spider Man is now Disney as well, right? Marvel. Sony's mm-hmm. releasing Spider Man. Oh, okay, so mm-hmm. it's still Sony, yeah, yeah. but um, it's in the Marvel. Yeah, universe. and it, this
0: this yeah. film had uh, the largest um, for international for PG film oh, international, huge. where it had 100 and 180 million for international. Holy crap <laughs> um it's, they did great they yeah did great. And
1: considering it cost well here's the it cost about a, it cost 160 60 million, million budget so then you gotta factor in with everything else that it's 200 plus million dollars um to put into it although you had said it was how much 100 uh
2: 100 and of- yeah it's a hundred and um uh I'm not finding another number. Sorry, continue on. <laughs> well, you,
1: you had a number that I believe you said it was over a hundred million dollars. So technically, that yeah. sort of kind of goes into that because this is for promotion. Yes. Yes. So yeah, So that also goes into. The, so that's. So now you're looking at really over three hundred million dollars, or close to three hundred million dollars. Disney
0: spent around 140 million for marketing. Yeah. yeah so. right. um Yeah. In, Add in, that
1: to the production budget because it all yeah. goes. It all comes out of the same piece of the pie. So well, they're well on their way. I mean, obviously, the the, the movie's going to continue uh, out here in the states. They released it at a decent time because now kids are throughout the month of <laughs> throughout the month of March and April, uh, spring, break for April spring break for April vacations, spring break. Yeah, they don't have really the, no competition
2: uh, uh, outside of like
1: Power Rangers for kids.
2: Um, I think Power Rangers is going to be though. Like a see it. Once, pro- oh, yeah. probably. I mean, this for is most people, see it
0: more than once. Yeah.
1: In a movie. Yeah, and Beauty and the Beast has even an even I think a, a more of a nostalgia f- factor going into it. It's it's one that the parents are going to enjoy taking their daughters and or sons to the, yeah. the little kids to it because they grew up watching the the animated movie. And uh, let, let's face it, of the Disney properties, you know, Beauty and the Beast is probably the most beloved animated movie i mean and i'm not taking away little mermaids up there as well but 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 it would yeah. go beauty and the beast and then it's a toss-up between lion king little mermaid aladdin yeah those right there are like those are the ones that people know, went to in uh, droves and they know and love and their kids watched them over and over and over and over and over I uh, watched them in up, theater so, when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, the, so go
2: ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, do you remember the VHS tapes? Like that yeah, was like, and like, and you I had sold
1: the VHS tapes. At the sun
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, and and I think that there is like that nostalgia factor of like, now we get everything digitally. Like it's yep. it's just yeah. like that change. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, and then you're looking close to sixty percent of the crowd. Crowd was made up of females. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that. With 53% yeah. <laughs> being under 25. Uh, 68% were between the ages of 18 and 34, which means the movie is uh, stoking the generation who actually grew up with the original. So, you know, I, I find that very interesting. I'm now, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, it's at a 70% at Rotten Tomatoes. However, their cinema score is at an A. I'm not too surprised. Yeah, that's but, good. You know.
0: That's really good. Cool. <clears throat> Audience is 86, and IMDb says it's 7.9. So a high high um, ratings. I would give it that as well. Um, I would probably put this in the 90s.
2: For me. Yeah, I would say 85 to to 90 for me.
1: Well, I, I in, my, in the Dimitri scale of one star <laughs> being made me angry, two star being didn't make me angry, three star good, four star wicked good, I would put it under the... It, it was good yeah, i give it three stars yeah. it was good
0: I like I mean I, I love this I might go watch this movie one more time just for fun I look for try to see
1: in IMAX yeah like, I, mean, th- I, I was going to, to go see it in
0: IMAX and yeah. things happened.
1: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm like, not I'm not you you i You've you can, seen it twice uh, already I, <laughs> I would just say if you are going uh, I'm not I would see no it. Judgment. I probably
0: would see it in IMAX <laughs> um, it definitely Very has top. a washability factor the, therefore you know the original animated film had a factor I mean I rewatched it last night it's great um, and and so does this one and for the DVD release it won't come out in, like July that's what they said yeah. so yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed this film though. Probably so far one of my favorite movies of two thousand and seventeen.
2: And and how smart of them to re- like when you look at the DVD release or home release, um, to have it be in the summer because you know like parents are gonna get this movie for their kids to watch when there's free time in the summer too. Like, mm-hmm. right, uh, such a smart like again release date is everything.
0: Right, I'm not getting this movie for my kid. I'm getting it for me. Oh yeah, just as a. I'm getting it for the kid
2: in me. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, I mean. Yeah. I loved this film.
2: I I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's four months. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just doing the math for months. July. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: yeah. Could be a little later, depending on how this movie stays. Right now, this movie is going to have a staying power. Mm-hmm. Consider uh, it all through April. Consider it all through like you know because vacations yeah. stagger throughout the country.
2: I'm, I'm guessing you know. around uh, like it'll be around through through about Memorial Day, yeah. give or take.
1: Theatrically. Yeah. Like, yeah, a oh, uh, Memorial Day. Yeah, it could be Yeah, it probably by then. mid but, yeah. May. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. mid uh, yeah. May. I I go. would guess that like with the release of big like summer blockbusters yeah. for that weekend, it'll fade I mean, they're going to have
1: to give up screens yeah. for Pirates. And, I
2: think
0: it, it's a good know, time of the year to release it's great time for it. There's movies. there's really no other films competing against it. And if you think about mm-hmm. the the last few live action Disney films, they were all all in around March. this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we had uh, Alice yeah. in Wonderland um, yeah. in uh, last year. Um, well, that was um,
1: Jungle Book was, was Jungle
0: and Book, last year? Yeah. Book was March. Yeah. Um, Cinderella came out in March yeah. of that right. year. Um, Maleficent came out in March of that year. So Did big, it? yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the a lot of the Disney live action films are coming out in March. Yeah. So. It's a great time for them. Absolutely. It's a great time for them. Yeah. Um, Anything else before we wrap? I. I have really nothing much to say. We, I think we covered just about everything.
1: Yeah, I can't so. think of anything that we didn't really yeah all
0: about. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this in-depth discussion of Beauty and the Beast. We will have the link below for you to follow the rundown. It is a very thorough rundown. There's so much information in this if you guys want to check it out.
1: I say thank you, Marissa, for all your enthusiasm. <laughs> it, was, it was inspirational. <laughs> I, I may not oh, see the you. movie again, but the, it was very infectious. Yeah, so, uh, thanks. so 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 that was fantastic.
2: Cool. Where can everyone keep following you? You can follow me, oh, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> at, at Stephanie Wanger on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yeah, and for the, for the two people that follow me uh, or support me on Twitter, uh, at DMovies1701, uh, yeah, support me, please. Uh, get me up and over the hump of five.
0: <laughs> and follow Disney, you know, everywhere. And listen to the soundtrack. Celine Dion, I love how they got her back for a new song sure. for this film considering she sang Beauty and the Beast with people over and back in 1991 I love it <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> Serafini TV thank you everyone for tuning in follow Popcorn Talk everywhere at the Popcorn Talk we watched this movie we love Disney obviously sure. thank you everyone for tuning in we will see you next time bye